ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco, back with you here on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation as we go to our guest line and bring on our final guest. If you happen to be watching us on QSportsTalk.com, you see our next guest, Evan Miyakawa, data scientist and statistician. You can check out his website at EvanMia.com. That's M-I-Y-A. Evan, great to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for the introduction. And uh, also, congratulations on, on pronouncing my name correctly. A lot of people messed that up, and uh, you got it you got it great. So thank you for that. <laughs> I, I practiced several times before we came on the air. appreciate you noticing. Um, all right. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so you've got, uh, you've got a, a doctorate in, uh, in statistics from, from Baylor University. Tell us how you got into this line of work and, and why, you, why you do what you do and what exactly do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, for me, my website, evanmia.com, is kind of a perfect intersection for me between um, what I do in my day job and in my education, which is math, statistics, lots of data stuff, and what I love most, which is college basketball. I grew up a college basketball fan in Indianapolis. Um, I was a big Butler Bulldogs fan growing up. I went to the national championship game between Butler and Duke when Gordon Hayward almost hit that infamous half court shot. And so I think ever since then, I've just been a big college basketball fan. And as I've, you know, progressed in life and, uh, taken the statistics route, I just recently finished my PhD in statistics at the university of Baylor, uh, about a year ago. Um, you know, it just, this website just sort of started as a, um, an easy way for me to practice what I was learning and what I'm passionate about, see if I could rate teams and players, um, just sort of started as a, a side hobby and has kind of turned into, uh, what it is now. So I'm really thanking the Lord for the opportunity. And it's, it's really great to be able to, you know, um, share a little bit of my, you know, knowledge and application of statistics in a sports context with other people. Um, and it's really fun to talk about. Along those lines, you know, Everyone loves to, to look at a game and, and gambling so prevalent these days. But how do you use the, the eye test to, to, to the data, you know, matching it up with, with, with you know, obviously statistics don't lie sometimes and, and uh, right up your alley. Yeah, the eye test is always going to be a crucial part of analyzing sports. Um, there's a reason why we don't just, you know, have robots on the sidelines uh, making coaching decisions, right? You have to have a real person there. The feel is important. Um, and I also think too, like when you are developing, you know, statistical ways of measuring things, uh, it's important to have like actual expert knowledge of that subject matter. You know, so if you had someone come in who doesn't know basketball at all and just start applying all the other random data science stuff that they know, you know, you could find interesting things, but it may not actually be useful to the people who are applying them, who are, you know, the coaches on the sideline or, you know, uh, people in the media who are trying to analyze how good a team or a player is, it's really important to have that subject matter. And so hopefully, at least the way that I approach it is with a bit of humility where hopefully, you know, I acknowledge that I am not, uh, I don't have, I didn't play basketball growing up. Um, I'm, you know, not a coach. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I don't know, but in that same sense, I have some skills that I can apply that can help maybe provide more context or clarity to the things that, experts in that field are already trying to figure out. And so hopefully there's a middle ground there that's helpful for everybody. All right. We pulled up your rankings. You've got Syracuse at number 91 in the country. Can you give us an idea of some of the components that go into, you know, this formula that you've developed that, that, you know, sets your rankings from, from top to bottom. 
Yeah. So I think a a good overall way to summarize what I do is um, advanced statistical models for quantifying how good players and teams are. So you can think very similar to Ken Palm. You know, Ken Pomeroy has been in this space for a long time. Everyone loves his work. He's amazing. Um, My website is, you know, at first glance, pretty similar in the sense that I'm trying to similarly rate teams uh, in a way that is... um, Uh, free of tempo. So in other words, it's not affected by how quickly a team plays that you're understanding how efficient they are on each possession on the offensive and defensive end. But I also do that for players as well, which I think is where a lot of my work is really unique, specifically in the college basketball space. So I have a, a metric called Bayesian performance rating, which quantifies the impact or value that every player brings uh, to their team when they are on the floor And it takes into account things like their individual box score statistics. So, you know, do they score well? Do they rebound well? Things like that. But also uh, components in terms of how they impact team performance. When you are in the game, the end result, the end goal that you're looking for is not just to score points, but it's to, you know, beat your opponent, right? And so you have some players who do that by scoring a lot. You have other players who do that by facilitating a lot or being what we might call a glue guy. And those players can both be impactful in terms of the end result of that game in their own way. And so a lot of what Bayesian performance rating does is tries to quantify that impact for players using box stats, using their impact on how well the team plays when they're on the floor. It adjusts for the strength of all other players on the court for every possession that a player plays because that information is important. There's also some historical information about both teams and players that is used to help these metrics be more predictive of future performance. So all of those factors go into um, quantifying players, and then it goes up to the team level as well and quantifying teams. Um, And there's lots of things that you can find on my website in relation to those, um, both in rating teams and players, as well as breaking down lineups. You know, I have, I rate literally every single lineup or combination of players used in the country adjusting for opponent. And you can, you know, use all of those stats in the context that, that this there I've game predictions, all that good stuff. Um, that that's just kind of a taste of what I do. Yeah. And this is Jordan who reached out to you. Thanks for coming on. So I'm looking at the player ratings you've got. Five Syracuse players are in your top 1,000, and I think they may surprise some of our listeners and viewers. You've got Jesse Edwards. He's the top-ranked Syracuse player. Then Joe Girard is second in about the 360s. Judah Mintz after him. But then the next two are Malik Brown and Justin Taylor. Based off your metrics, we're all trying to figure out what Syracuse's ideal starting lineup is. Would you say that those five should then be the starters for the Orange, or does that play in differently when you take into account how they play together on the court and their time coming at different points in the game. But would you say the top five ranked guys are the five best on the team who should start? Yeah, that's a great question, Jordan. So generally speaking, you can use Bayesian performance rating to often tell you who should be getting the most minutes because uh, on an individual basis, those players are predicted to be the most impactful on both ends of the floor. Now, that does not necessarily mean that the top five guys on every team should be the most used lineup. That that doesn't account for positional imbalances, you know, the chemistry of that lineup, things like that. So that's obviously important information to keep in mind. And a lot of times, the best lineup for a team won't be the top five guys. It will be close. Um, and those guys will often feature... Um, in a lot of their best lineups, Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case. Um, It is interesting, though, when you talk about Syracuse's lineup. So I was just looking at this this morning. Um, When you look at their most used lineup of Gerard Mintz, Bell Williams, and Edwards, 
and you compare that lineup, that five-man lineup, to their other eight most used lineups, that lineup has performed the worst out of all of those nice. uh, in terms of you know outscoring opponents, um, which you know there can be a lot of um, noise when looking at lineup data, particularly for lineups that don't play very much. But when you're looking at your best, or rather your most used lineup, and it's uh, much worse, if not worse, than all of the other like options that are being used similarly. Um, that is a sign of something to monitor going forward. So, like their second most used lineup uh, has Edwards, Gerard, Mintz, Taylor, and Williams, and that lineup is basically outscoring opponents by over 20 points per 100 possessions, uh, which is pretty good. But that lineup I referenced earlier, the most used lineup, is about even. So there's a big difference uh, in quality in terms of performance so far this season between those lineups. So there definitely could be some some optimization there. I mean, this is fascinating stuff. How much how much basketball do you watch, Evan? Um, so I watch every single college basketball game, and I take individual notes, and I put them in my system every night. Uh, that's the only way I can keep up with it. Of course, I'm kidding. Right. Um, I, I try and watch a fair amount of basketball. Uh, obviously, my uh, computer, if you will, does a lot of that work for me, so I'm not manually uh, tweaking things, mainly because um, I try and create things to be as unbiased as possible uh, so that my own uh, opinion uh, does not influence what what my um, my statistical model is giving me. But I do watch a lot of basketball. Um, I try and keep up with um, just the greater landscape of, of college hoops as much as I can. Uh, so I, I watch I watch a lot of ball. Evan, how long does it take you to come up with these algorithms and to the, the formulas and and to do this that, you, you know, you, you, you get the, you know, things it, it, Put out for you these player rankings and and stuff of that nature yeah it takes a long time um i started uh building this i think the first time that i ever created a set of team rankings was uh february of 2020. um so it's been a couple of years and it's grown quickly in that regard and uh during grad school when i was still in school and now in my free time um you know i I spend a lot of my time continuing to work on this just because I'm so fascinated by trying to measure things that are often immeasurable, specifically in basketball. Um, so it's a really fun thing for me. It comes very naturally and I'm always coming up with new ways, getting feedback from, you know, coaches, for example, who are saying like, you know, Hey, I'm using your um, website and I'm looking at these two players. I'm trying to figure out which one I should use in this situation. And I think, Oh, like I, I could actually come up with a way to quantify that. That would be really cool. So I'm always thinking about new ways and trying to, you know, uh, add them as I can. Do you have, and I, I realize there's a lot of basketball still to be played and where it's late December right now, but do you have like a, a few teams that you feel like are national championship contenders from, from the analytical side, right? You know, we all see the, the top 25, the AP rankings, the, the coaches rankings, but with, with your numbers, is there maybe a team or two that would surprise us that you, you know, that scores very highly in, in your ratings that we should have our eye on for, you know, national title contender? Yeah, I think it's always interesting to look at what teams, according to a, you know, unbiased, un, um, you know, unaffected by the public view, a computer model is going to have. Um, and so when you look at the teams at the top of my list, you know, a lot of them will, will look pretty similar to the AP poll, but there are definitely some surprises. Um, at the top of mine is Houston. And I don't think that's a huge surprise to many. I mean, they've been, um, they were projected to be a really good team uh, coming into the season. They certainly have been that. Um, they had a really impressive week this week. And so they're definitely a step ahead of everyone else. They're just so balanced, um, very experienced. Their style of play is hard to play uh, against. 
But there's other teams too, like um, Tennessee, for example. Right now I have second, which might surprise some people. But their defense is really, really good, number one in the country. Um, and they had one bad loss earlier in the season against Colorado, who had just come a, a, off of a really bad loss to a SWAC team. Um, and so I think people sort of um, jumped off that bandwagon a little bit. But Colorado is actually a top 50 team now. Um, and Tennessee has had some really impressive wins, including you know against Kansas on a neutral um, so I think they're definitely in the mix, maybe a little bit of um, underrated there. And then a team like um, Gonzaga and UCLA, both inside my top five and are outside the top 10, I think, right now in the AP poll. A lot of things in a predictive sense make me think that those teams you know, could have a deep run in March. Obviously, Gonzaga, maybe not quite as you know star-studded as they have been in previous years, probably not in the conversation for a one seed this year, but they have Drew Timmy, who you know is one of the most experienced and talented players in college basketball, and they make it to the Sweet 16 almost every year. And after that stage, you definitely do need some amount of you know luck, and you could say that their luck you know hasn't gone their way in previous tournaments. I think they're in the conversation. UCLA somehow, I think, is criminally underrated at 13th in the poll right now. They're fifth in my metrics. Um, they've had some incredible wins recently, and they've not really been um, uh, you know, adequately adjusted for by the public, at least in the AP poll. Um, but they've won eight in a row. They have a top 10 offense and defense. You've got guys like Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark, all rank really highly in my player metric Bayesian performance rating. So I also think that they are definitely in the mix to uh, make a deep run, potentially be a national championship threat come March. And uh, just in case people are wondering, we're looking at the uh, the rankings right now for ACC teams in Evans top 20, uh, Duke 11, Carolina 13, Virginia 17, Virginia Tech 19, although uh, Vatek lost last night to, to Boston College. How, how often do, do these things get updated? So like last night, Virginia Tech lost – uh, in overtime to BC, is is that already reflected in these rankings or, or does it take a couple of days? No, it ap- updates every morning, um, sometimes multiple times per day. A lot of the team and player stuff updates, you know, every morning uh, when you wake up typically. So yeah, that their rating is already reflected that they've dropped, I think, um, a couple spots. I think they were probably 15 or 16 yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ACC has, you know, four clear top four teams all between 10 and 20 in my rankings in Duke, UNC, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, and then there's definitely a big drop down to, you know, three more teams that are probably right now in that um, bubble conversation in NC State, Clemson and Miami. Um, so there's definitely a you know a couple clear tiers in the ACC. Um, obviously Syracuse is a little bit below that right now. I have them ranked 91st in the country. Yeah. So, uh, so tier three, I guess for, for Syracuse, what, what is the, the ultimate hope with all this? I mean, this, like I said, I could talk to you all day about this. I, I find this stuff fascinating, you know, is the hope to, to be like the next Ken Palm? Like what, what do you, what do you want to do down the road with this? That's a good question. I feel like I'm, I'm still figuring out as I go. I my, my day job right now is I am a data scientist for a, a company that does sports analytics for professional teams. So I basically, you know, work on sports analytics for uh, professional teams in the day and then sign off and work on college basketball stuff in my free time. So I, I love doing this. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know like direction wise um, where this will be in five or 10 years, but I'm just really enjoying uh, the process. I do have um, a subscription tier on my website to access more of my advanced stuff, um, which people can have access to, which is a you know a great way to kind of engage with all of these numbers. Um, but I, the main thing for me is I just love um, being able to share this with people, both people who are fans as well as coaches. 
Um, cause a lot of coaches use my, my metrics to make player decisions, to look for players in the transfer portal, to, you know, optimize lineups, all that good stuff. Um, and I just really love doing that and as well as talking to people like yourself who are uh, so knowledgeable and, and fun to interact with. Um, so I just really enjoy the whole thing. Well, this was awesome. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Jordan, great job booking Evan. Uh, we, we hope that we can have you on again, especially like you would be great to come on right around NCAA tournament time if, you, if you're up for it. Um, we, we'd love to have you on again. Evan, I'm not going to lie. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to bring the uh, starting lineup thing up to Coach Bayer. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide away from that one. Uh, I might have gotten time. in trouble for that, Evan. So yeah. we appreciate you. No, this is uh, <laughs> this is great stuff, though, Evan. Uh, listen, happy holidays to, to you and your family, and uh, and hopefully we can do this again as, uh, as the college ba- basketball season progresses. Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you, guys. All right, Evan Miyakawa. And let me just say with Evan, too, so you guys know what I'm all about. Here's a really cool thing about Evan's site as well. You go to evanmia.com, E-V-A-N-M-I-Y-A. On the homepage, he's got free game projections for the biggest games. So, for example, right now, the first game on there is Xavier and UConn. When they'll be playing, what you can do, you can look at the spread that's out there. You can line it up with what Evan believes it'll be. And if you think you find an edge, maybe that's some good value. When uh, Gonzaga and Alabama played, Evan thought Gonzaga was the better team despite the spread, and they won. So that's a practical application of how you can directly benefit from that. Um, and there is a subscription model, but that's right on the homepage, too. So, All right. Great stuff from Evan, man. Yeah, that that was really interesting. Um, all right, Mario's got to get out of here. Um, I will, yeah, what, what, what do you I, got? Thanks for having me the last couple of days. Yeah. Glad Paulie's better. And uh, Jordan, great job as uh, always that you do. Steve, obviously, uh, great job as well. So Merry Christmas to you guys and uh, enjoy the time off that you get. Yes, uh, same to you. I'll see, I'll see you in like 20 minutes. So we appreciate I, I'm you. not going to be here tomorrow, so, <laughs> I nor I hope I'm not here tomorrow because I have two little ones to watch. So All right, uh, Mario's got to go. We'll take our final time out, and then uh, we'll get out of here ourselves. We'll wrap things up right after this on ESPN Radio.